Hi, my name is Frankie. Thank you for listening to my mom. I never listen. You know, Nothing But Net has a lot of celebrities, a lot of big-time players and coaches. And then we have my friend Kristen Gillespie, the head coach at Illinois State. Actually, this week, I was asked by Illinois State to prepare a PA script to introduce her as the seventh-year head coach for Illinois State. It was one of the great honors of my life. I actually did it with incredible professionalism and the kind of class that you would deserve, Kristen. So thank you for asking. I know you didn't know I was going to do it, but I hope that made uh, you score on the first possession. Uh, it did not. We actually got down to a 13-0 run. So uh, that's how we started the game. So thank <laughs> you for that. I, I owe you that. No, that was very kind. It was it was fun seeing you uh, on the Jumbotron. It, it meant a lot to me. And I know, I mean, you're so busy. I mean, with all your accolades, you know, I, I can't believe you found time with the <laughs> Naismith Hall of Fame, I mean, to remember the little people in your life that used to work camps with you, it just, it, it was a really defining moment in my life, so thank you. And you know, that's what's so special about receiving any kind of recognition, is it takes you down memory lane and makes you reflect on all the wonderful people that are a part of your journey, and you would definitely classify as, um, probably not tier one, Probably right in there, about maybe mid, second, third level, something like that. You think Probably. that's fair? Yeah, you know, you know, I carried your bags and and you know, <laughs> give you a no, place for to real. Stay, your laundry, you know, whatever. What you know, hey, coach Yao, servant leadership, whatever you need, Deb. Uh, you know, I know, I know where I fit on the totem pole. So uh, I, I think um, before we talk about Illinois State, because that's really the purpose of the podcast, is to talk about your team, but. Um, since you went there about camp, I do want to share a couple of funny stories about working KEL camp, because one of the wonderful things about having a coach that coached at one place for so long is that we're all so connected, no matter the decade that you play. Uh, and one of the things that Coach Al always allowed us to do, and I always found time in my schedule to do this, was come back and work camp. And when you would come back and work camp, you were working camp with a somewhat of a, an authority. Uh, position. However, you really felt like you were that same old kid that was on college playing basketball, trying to get away with stuff. Isn't that what we did at camp? We we just ran the mini stations and then figured out what mischievous activities we we're going to get into while we were together. Oh, without a doubt. It was, you know, that, like you said, that was the, the cool thing. I mean, very few universities or or programs had one head coach. So that is how you and I are friends, you know, it, other schools, you don't have that luxury. And it was fun. The, the days were long working, I guess, you know, you never worked, Debbie, you just floated around kind of, it continues today. You know, you just, you always heard your voice, but never, never quite at the station you were supposed to. But I think the best times were the evenings, you know, the, the social hours, you know, that coach did or did not know about, but that's, you know, that's when those bonds were really formed by the, the former players and the current players. So those are the memories that I cherish the most. It's true. Uh, I do remember, um, you know, when you young ones would transition from playing to working as campers that I would tell you that I was the commissioner of certain things and in charge that coach Al put me in charge of certain things and that you guys would have to follow along. And it was always something goofy or stupid. 
I remember coming out of the um, bathroom with some toilet paper hanging out of the back of my pants just to get a laugh out of you young ones, just to see that, you know, it's fun to, you can have fun at camp. And, uh, and then when uh, we would introduce ourselves, a lot of times I would introduce myself as Kay Yao and most of the campers didn't know the difference. So <laughs> it was kind of fun. Do you remember the one introduction, the the one that sticks out the most in in my mind? Uh, I think I was a GA at the time, and my former teammate Summer Herb was was working camp. Uh, she wasn't in the WNBA at the time, so Debbie standing, you know, in front of us, she does her spiel, and we have the the KL camp shirts that we all have to wear. But what Debbie doesn't know is Summer and I had made shirts uh, earlier that week to surprise Debbie with, and it was her headshot uh from i'm not sure which year and and debbie your hair is lovely right now beautiful flow <laughs> debbie, debbie yeah. rocked the uh the 80s mullet better than anyone i saw so we had debbie's uh face her her headshot on our chest we still both have those shirts those are going to come out at some point maybe now you know the date naismith maybe they have to they have to come back out and you know that yeah. mullet was a, a cross between i'd say joan jett and billy idol there was some combination in there. And that, and that's that's a strong, strong comparison. I like that. It was fantastic. And I love the the blouse you had. It was like, I don't know. It was very colonial, so, very business-like. Little house on the prairie. It was like yeah. Laura Ingalls with a mullet. It was phenomenal. What you, you didn't know is I, I thought I was going to be on Wall Street. You know, I was getting the Wall Street Journal delivered to my dorm room every morning. And that was the original step over the newspaper experience that uh, I started um, in college that carried over to, you know, the step over the newspaper final four party that I used to help host with uh, Beth Mowens when we had shoot around with Beth and Debbie, a different podcast, actually the first podcast in women's basketball. Yeah, you took part in some shenanigans there too. Probably nothing we want to share here though. No, no, this is no, and we, we don't need to talk about those. Uh those parties or the uh, social hours late in the evening with, with summer and the other uh, former players at KL camp will just, those will be off the camera conversations. You know, but that's the best part about this podcast is we can pretty much do whatever we want and go wherever we want. I mean, certain things might actually bring more viewers and, and uh, more subscribers. So uh, we want to be careful about how we go about approaching that. But uh I do uh, want you to know that it would be officially confirmed now without doubt that I am the oh, best on stat starter because there can't possibly be uh, anyone that could have less stats that could end up with some of the recognitions that I've been able to receive. It's just absolutely impossible. So well, I'm just confused. The coronation is over. It's over. Time out. Time out. I'm confused about how your professional broadcasting career has anything to do with the points scored. Oh my God. The next, next year when we do this, BMAC, I'm going to send you some, some slides we're going to throw up for the viewers, the comparison of stats so we can end this conversation once and for all. And I told you, Coach told, I mean, you, Deb, think she what told you me the, She told me that just like who was the first to congratulate her? Yeah, me? that's a good story. Actually, I'm going to tell that story right now because that is a funny story. Coach Yao was very familiar with my whole battle with you on who's the best non-stat starter. Not that anybody ever in the history of basketball would want to compete for such a, <laughs> a, a title, but since I created it and gave it to myself, you started to stick your nose in there. And Coach Yao knew that we had this running battle going. And this was uh, 
in February, right about the time that, right about this time, actually, um, she was going for 700 wins and she had just come from the hospital, IV, gloves, wig, mask, neuropathy in her feet. And I went down to visit her in the locker room before the game. And I was down there talking to her about the game because she had just come from the hospital ready to coach her team and um, incredible display of courage and um, a story that we should share because it's absolutely amazing what she was able to do considering the condition that she was in yet why she was doing it is why we're talking about it and uh, when I got ready to leave I closed the door and then I opened the door real quickly and I poked my head back in I said coach out by the way I, I want to be the first to congratulate you this is before the game on 700 wins and she chuckled and she shook her head and she said well you're not the first. And I said, I'm not. She said, Kristen Gillespie called me and, and wished me congratulations before you. And I was like, first time I ever cursed in front of Coach Al. First time that she ever heard me. <laughs> I mean, that's just a, one of the many examples of why I'm first, you know, but maybe I <laughs> so understand good. for whatever reason you want to believe that. And I will allow you to, to champion yourself for that. But we all know the truth. But one of the things that I do, um, think that's important for people to know is that connection that we did carry through the years and when you look back at teammates and teammates that are not actually your physical teammates today but are your teammates over the course of a program in a couple of decades when Nike made that first shoe that had Coach Al's name on it I could have kept both pairs and worn them but I decided that it was really important for me to give one to you and I know you and I both keep those shoes in special spots uh, uh, in, in our hearts, but also uh, in a special place, wherever we may keep it. In my, in my house, it's in my office and it's visible when you see me uh, on a podcast or on TV, uh, because I think it's important. Um, and I thought that was uh, one of the things that is an important story to share about connection between teammates across decades. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think that's, there are so many gifts that coach gave us, but that's, you think about the ones that that have the greatest impact. And I think that was it. I, I have so many, you included people that really mean a lot to me in my life. And I would never have had that without Coach Yao. And then her desire to make it so important that alumni get so involved and keep coming back. So, I mean, we're a couple, couple decades, a decade and a half, two decades, I don't know, decade and Not a half. Not that much. Eh, yeah. Okay. It's, you know, decade plus apart, but that, that was the greatest thing and it was so cool you know this year I had the great opportunity of, of going back to NC State uh, to bring our, our program and in, in to compete against uh, the Wolfpack in the amount of faces that I saw in the stands the amount of people that reached out you know that I hear through periodically but just wanted to show up and, and support my program I mean that's all Coach Al and that wouldn't have been the case without her. Uh, this year for the Play for K game in Reynolds, uh, I reached out to a couple of alums, not everyone, uh, you included, to, you know, put together uh, your favorite K Yao moment in 15 or 20 seconds. And uh, you did it actually right where you're standing with that poster behind you. Tell us why that poster behind you is so important. Uh, it's all Coach Yao's sayings. I, I say them quite often to our team. And it's, it's a great reminder when I walk in my office, it's the first thing when I turn to go to my desk, it's the first thing I see every single day. And it just, it keeps me grounded. It keeps, you know, coaching is tough. You have great days, not so great days, but it always brings me back to my why, why I coach. And I just, uh, you know, coach had such a profound impact on my life. And I just, I hope I can 
have uh, similar impacts. I know I'm never going to be the the person or coach that she was, you know, hopefully I'm half that at, at some point in my career, but you know, I, I remember what she did for me and I hope I'm doing it for my, for our young women. So you mentioned your why, and, and this is the time of year where I think a lot of coaches question it because it's absolutely the grind. Coaches are tired. Players are tired. The officials are tired. Uh, this is the time when even Tony Bennett, I had Virginia on Saturday. Tony Bennett hasn't received a technical foul since March of 2010. And he got one in my game. And it was kind of funny because you don't ever expect him to get upset. And he wasn't even upset. I don't even know what he said. He probably said, golly gee, that was a bad call knowing Tony. But uh, it made me think, you know, I was laughing on the air because I was like, I've had more technicals and reprimands since 2010 than Tony's had. <laughs> and and uh, I was just kind of found it kind of funny that, you know, even Tony Bennett is upset at this time of year. It's just that time, right? How do you keep your why in the forefront and stay, as you said, grounded and in the moment? Because you've got the toughest schedule to finish the league coming up. Yeah, it's, it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But, you know, it's it goes back to the 13 young women in our locker room, you know, the trying to provide them with the greatest experience, you know, and there's a lot of highs and lows, whether you're a freshman trying to figure life out, or if you're a junior senior, still trying to find the floor. I mean, there's a myriad of things that go in with that, but it's just, it's funny you said that because I just had this conversation with our team yesterday before practice of just reminding them to be where our feet are. You know, we live in a society that it's, you know, instant gratification or, or what's that next step or next accolade or, you know, whatever that may be, it's just, can we be where our feet are? You know, we can't worry about what's going to happen on Sunday. We have to worry about how we're performing today in practice. We have our biggest game of the year is, uh, is, is Thursday against Bradley. Can we be the best versions of ourselves? If we can continue to do that, we'll be okay. But it, it it's tough because you have all this outside noise coming in and it's just, can we, can we shut that down? And I said, you know, everyone thinks like, well, the grass is greener here or, or this maybe this program doesn't experience what we are. And I just reminded the grass is greener where you water it. So my message is let's just water the I may have said a bad word, the heck out of, of each other's grass so we can be the best version of ourselves in these next four weeks. Do you ever hear Coach Al curse? Oof. I, I, am, I don't I don't have that quality. I am very much my father's <laughs> daughter when it comes to that. I think I have some of coaches traits, but I yes. don't have her vernacular. I'll tell you that. Did you ever hear her raise her voice? Oh, gosh, yeah. And that's when you knew. That's when you're like, oh, God, you know, like Summer and I would look at each other and like, all right, we got to get our lives together. Like, you know, like we got to get the team together. You know, you knew. And it was so funny because then you're like, you felt so crappy about what we are doing as a team because you are letting her down you're like oh this is you know uh y'all you know she would just sit in that you know it just you you instantly were like okay I never really got trouble a lot so I didn't have that you might want to ask some other people you know uh but it was more on the court where it was just like crap we're letting her down we we have got to be better for her that's the way it was for us too and it's funny how it permeates every single decade of players is you know she'd be like y'all yeah do you you think we could rebound better (laughs) you know y'all do do you think we could stop turning the ball over (laughs) you know and you kind of be like yeah Yeah. of course well all right then 
I know. What or more is it? Your name and you're gonna be like, God, yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, it's yes, so ma'am. simple, right? It's a simple equation. If and I think sometimes it gets overcomplicated. Like even last night I had um Syracuse NC State men and and there's times during the game where they're guarding the action, not the ball. Mm-hmm. So there's a straight line drive to the bucket because you're guarding the action, trying to anticipate. And um, it it seems like it's simpler than what it really is. What do you think are the most challenging parts about coaching young women that people don't understand because they see and they perceive one certain thing? And then it's really not what you see. There's something that goes to build to this process to get them at a level that they can compete where you need them to compete. What is one of those or two of those things that you can think about that might be misleading to um, people thinking it's easy when it's really not? Yeah, I, I think I think it transcends all, you know, sports and not necessarily women's or men's. It's just we have 13 extremely competitive young women in our program that, you know, each one has come from uh, storied high school programs, you know, ton of accolades. And then getting everyone to understand that everyone has roles. And, you know, my role as a head coach is important, but. Uh, Drew Cole, who's my assistant, his role is just as important, you know, and yes, I may be the the face of our program because I'm on the head coach, but it's it's everyone doing their part. And I think that that's always a, that tricky thing. And I think that's something we've done pretty well as a program in our culture of just you have to surrender a little bit. And it's hard because in today's day and age, it's it's a lot me driven, you know, and it's just how can we surrender a little bit of what we want for the greater good? Uh, because it's not always easy because you have all these voices in your head. And uh, I think the teams that that capture that are the teams that really shine down the stretch. Um, but it's so funny you use that example about the defense because there's so many things. You know, we are a very scout-driven program, but it's like that fine line of walking what's too much, what's enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and every year it's a little different. We as coaches, I think that's, that's what I love about our job, but it's also tough of figuring out, how this team's mind works, how, what's their mode of operation, you know, mm-hmm. like, is it too much? Some years we can give a ton, some years we have to back off. So I think both of those things are are tricky and you have to figure it out. The sooner you figure it out, the better you're going to be, but it's never too late to figure those things out either. I'm going to give you a little bit of an out on the next series of questions I want to ask you. So I typically would tell if I was doing media training that we don't say no comment. Okay. We just, we find an answer or we defer to someone. Like Mm -hmm. if I asked you a question you were uncomfortable with, you might say, you know, I'm, instead of saying no comment, I'm I'm not really in a position to answer that. You should ask Kristen Gillespie. She's the head coach. Okay. Okay. So um, you're free to say no comment on the next series of questions that I'm going to ask you. All right. Uh, Were you ever late for practice? No. Were you ever late for the team bus before the game? Very close one time, uh, my senior year when I lived with Summer Herb, but we weren't late. But I, Summer tells a great story. Wait. You were late or you weren't late? Weren't late, very close. I was like one of those people that were always early, but I mean, thank gosh there were not police on Hillsboro because we were driving, uh, yes, uh, but I was close. And I, to this, it will wake me up in the middle of the night. It is so vivid. 
you have to ask Summer about it because there's a lot to the story that I'm not going to say right now on the Summer Herb, the only ACC player of the year from NC State in the year 2000, I believe. So let me just clarify that if anybody wants to Google sorry, Summer sorry. Herb. 6'6", teammate of Kristen Gillespie uh, in the 1998 Final Four starting lineup included both previously mentioned players. Okay. All right. Okay. So were you ever late for pregame meal? No. Were you ever late for strength training? No. Did you ever get caught sneaking out at night on the road? God, no. I'm Did boring. you sneak out? No. No. At least you can ask anyone. Yes. No. <laughs> I know I'm boring. Sorry. Did you ever question Coach Al and a scout that would make her change her mind about how she was going to make a decision? No, I had 100% faith in, in what she said. That blind faith. Are any of these questions the answer that you want your team to hear? Yeah, I, I, I'm an open book. Like now you could have asked me some other questions and I would have been like, uh-oh. Uh, but no. Yeah, you know, I'm not going to ask you those. No. I, I, you know, I took like, you know, I was captain. I, I took that very serious. You know, I just, what coach Yao thought of me was extremely important. That was like the driving force from the moment I got on campus. I, I wanted her to be able to count on me to know that she could trust me that, you know, I didn't, we had joke, you know, my stats, they were, they, they weren't great, but they were great down the stretch. My last two year final four, like, coach had to have me on the floor because of those things that we just talked about. I think she really did trust me. And I think yeah. I was a really good leader and what our team needed. And I found great satisfaction. Like that to me, that meant more than scoring 20 points. And that's just, you know, that's the way I was wired. Do you think that building trust from a coach to a player has a lot to do with how a player handles themselves off the court, whether it's academics or the, the list of questions I just went through, you know, doing things the way you're supposed to be doing them. Yeah, I think there's a, that's a portion of it. I think for me, you know, the way, I feel like we have a pretty good trust level with how we recruit. We, you know, of just the, the relationships that we try to build, but, you know, trust is slippery. It can be, it, it takes a while to be, you know, earned, but it you can lose it quickly. Um, but there's some players that I trust a lot that maybe wouldn't have answered the same yes and yes or no to those questions. Uh, I just think it comes down to like pouring into each other and, and really, you know, we lead with love a lot. We talk about that word in our program a lot. And, you know, I think our players know that there is a lot of grace in our program too. You know, 18 to 21, 22, that's tough. You know, it's a, it's a really pivotal time in people's lives. And, you're not going to be perfect, but we, we try to lead with grace. And, you know, I think I know all, all 13 players hearts and that's what I, I have trust in and faith in. Was there any player during your four, your time with NC state, not your four years, your time with NC state that was late? Oh, gosh. Yeah. Do you remember what the penalty was for being late? Um, well, we left, we're, I won't, I won't say the people's names. We left two of my teammates, uh, we were playing Maryland and, you know, to get to Reynolds, you got to go down the big hill. So the bus was going up the hill and you see two of my teammates driving like bat out of hell is coming down and coach Al just was like, and just bus driver kept 
they showed Frank, up the Maryland, but you know Frank the bus driver Frank the bus driver what what I loved about coach and I've really taken this from her is I don't think she ever painted herself into a corner of you know with discipline I think everything was a, a you know case by case you know there's always a reason and and she did provide a ton of grace for for myself and our in our all the all players that played for her so well there are different rules for different players do you agree with that to a certain extent yes to a certain extent yes. on the court we we talk about that on the court there is you know I, I, but like for the type of human beings that we want to be I think we all yeah. It should, we should play on the same level field. You know, uh, you earn that trust. There's a little longer leashes, and that's sometimes hard for young players to understand when they're playing and you know behind some of the the upperclassmen yeah. that have been through the the battles. Uh, maybe a, um, maybe we could say it a different way. You know, there's different rules and different standards for players. How's yeah. that? Yeah, I, I would agree to that. But you know, I, I think as long as you're the same standard is as the way we approach you know, the things that matter to you. So we talk about things we can, like everyone's energy should be great. You should be, you know, your attitude should be really good. You know, the, it's never about you, but then the other stuff. Yes. You know, if you turn it over once or twice, you might get stay out a little, or if you mess up a defensive assignment, but as long as we're to the core of who we are all the same, we're, we're good. And so, Kristen Gillespie, uh, you've been to the old homestead here in Cary. You know my parents' house. Uh, once in a while, we have a few technical difficulties at the bed and breakfast. So uh, we're just going to finish this podcast out this way. Um, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, I've enjoyed all the stories. Uh, I've enjoyed watching your career grow. I'm actually really proud of what you've been able to do. And uh, I know the best basketball is ahead of you, personally and professionally. Well, thank you so much. Please tell your parents that I said hello. They're two of my all-time favorite people. You know, neither one of us are my mother's favorite player at NC State. I have to tell you, that belongs to Ashley Williams. I tell her that all the time. So don't think that uh, you and I have uh, done anything special or unique. Ashley, somehow, her story seems to resonate with my mother better than my own. Well, Ashley is probably one in one of my all-time favorites. She was my all-time favorite KL camper. I was her coach. I, I remember her as a eight-year-old running around Reynolds. What a she's had a heck of a career. I'm just so happy for her. Yeah, she's gonna be a good head coach one day, just like you. Uh, thank you so much, Chris. Thanks, Debbie. Okay.